What's up? Did you ever struggle with right and wrong? Or maybe wonder like why some things are right, others are wrong, and who the hell decided why these things are right and wrong and put these rules in place? Well, today in luck, we're going to talk about who decides what's right and wrong. This is the Existential Stoic Podcast. I'm Danny. Who are we? Randy. What's up, Randy? Yeah, Danny. So, Randy, have you ever struggled with what's right and wrong and wondering like why certain things are considered right or wrong? This is a confusing topic at times because sometimes there are things that are both right and wrong. And then there are other things that are neither right or wrong. And, and then, then there's there... things that are contextually dependent. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's very challenging. And who makes these rules? Who decides this stuff anyways? I don't know. I've studied ethics and I still have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a challenge. You know, it's funny because like, I mean, there is like that, you know, there's the obvious I guess, connection to the fact that, like, you know, we live in societies and groups and communities. And so I'm sure at some point in the past, we realized that, like, you know, stealing from each other, for instance, didn't work out well because people got in fights or, like, just murdering people didn't work out for, like, population and all. So probably some rules, like, developed for, like... They would make, like, commandments out of those, right? (laughs) But that's what's funny. Like, you know, that's what I always found funny is, like, you know, sir, it makes sense when you look at it that way. Like, okay, obviously rules are going to develop, but then how do they get to be codified? You know, why the commandments? Who was coming down from the mountain and why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's interesting because, like, we were talking about the golden rule last week or something like that. And I think a lot of rules do kind of come from the golden rule, like don't do to others what you... But also, it... uh you know, it's it's challenging because there's so many different things that can tell you what's right and wrong. Like, I know times in my life where I've gotten really off track was because I was listening to what somebody else's right and wrong was about my life. Oh. That's the biggest danger, though, is, like, letting outsiders influence your values, right? And, like, it's always tough because, you know, we want to fit in, that we want to conform, we want to look good, we want to do well. And we don't always know, so we listen to others, but ultimately, you know, we have to have our own reasons. But it's it's also like you kind of have, you can, like when you try and figure out for yourself, you can push the boundaries so far, but you don't want to be the person who pushes it too far. Like everybody in the financial industry cheats and steals, but you just don't want to be Bernie Madoff, you know? (laughs) A little bit too much. Right? Yeah, the truth though, right? Well, that's the other thing we allow, you know, that's what's funny when I talk about ethics with my students sometimes, like, because teach, like, some of the philosophers, you know, like, they're pretty absolutist in their rules, right? Like, they'll say, like, you know, like, one of the rules might be, like, no lying, you know, like, so lying's always wrong. But if you think about it, we lie, all, everybody lies all the time. Not that it's always bad. A lot of times we think, you know, like, for instance, like, you know, if you know saying the truth is going to really upset somebody, you might say it differently or something to try and make it easier, easier to accept or something. And you know, is that wrong? Is it situation dependent? Are they wrong for saying that lying's always wrong? Like, I mean, this is the difficulty, right? And that's a really challenging thing to bring up honesty because this is something where, you know, <laughs> trying to be an honest person it's so hard, especially when like somebody you care about asks you how they look in something, yeah. and well, you know, think... you may not you may not want to disappoint them. But also, if you tell them the truth, they might get pretty hurt and it'll be it'll lead to a long discussion instead of getting somewhere place on time. <laughs> that sounds very specific. 
Yeah. <laughs> just theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. Just throwing this out there. It is funny, though, because it, it's hard to know, like, you know, this is what I always struggle with, I guess, with ethics. It's like, you know, usually in morality, the goal's like, the goal is an ideal. Like, you know, think of like the fully virtuous person or the absolutely moral person, like, doesn't exist. I mean, we might be able to find like a couple, you know, cases, but they'd be like, you know, very much outliers. Most of us are like, okay, you know, we do some things that are good, some things that are probably not great, but we're not doing any like great harms, you know? And I think this is always a struggle because it's like morality, you have to constantly be working towards that ideal, but you're never going to hit it. You're always going to make mistakes. That's why Marcus Aurelius kept reflecting on the same things over and over again, right? Because he kept messing up or, you know, forgetting something or needing a reminder. Yeah, true. Well, there's a there's a saying, there's no right or wrong. Only thinking makes it so. Something like that. But yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting because there's, you know, right or wrong, they're both judgments on actually what happened and what didn't happen. So really, there's only what happened. And we yeah. can always speculate about what didn't happen. But then you could say, like, well, That's what true, happened yeah. is the thing's nature. So wouldn't that then be right? Yeah, no, you're right. Because a lot of times when we talk about right and wrong, we're thinking of a counterfactual. Like if the opposite happened, you know, how would we mm -hmm. evaluate that? And then, but we can never know, make it happen, which is cool. no, we can't. Yeah. yeah, whatever is just is. So it doesn't make sense to even value it in the first place because that's what. But happens. I spend a lot of my time and energy <laughs> arguing for that. Already fighting this, I don't. Well, yeah, yeah, it's funny, and you know. It's also hard because we have all these rules outside of us. And I think conforming to them can totally lead you off track. And you can do things for the wrong reasons, like you said, you know, or you could be acting for the wrong reasons. Like just to give like a very vague example, like or simple example, I guess, like if I'm really afraid of hell and really want to go to heaven, that might motivate me to act a certain way and conform to certain rules. But it doesn't mean that I actually follow those rules, internalize them or believe in them. Right. I'm only doing it because of some reward or fear of punishment. And I think mm -hmm. that's always tricky, too, because socially that happens a lot. Like we might be afraid of being censored or made fun of or whatever. And so we adjust our behavior, even though we don't really believe in those things like internally. Right. Like actually uh, identify with them. And I think that's mm -hmm. where it gets really dangerous because then you're doing things that aren't really like, you know, you. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, one thing that's kind of frustrating about this right and wrong is it takes you out of being, it like, kind of like what you were just mentioning, doing it for a purpose. It takes you out of actually being present because you're, like, yeah. trying to do something for some future thing that you have no control over anyways. So it's like, <laughs> let me let me be good so that I'll have this thing in the future as opposed to just let me just exist right here and do whatever comes up. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other problem with morality, too, I think, is that it makes a lot of us, like, focus more on evaluating ourselves against others rather than oh, totally looking, you know, and I think this, you know, that's like the virtue signaling and all, right? Are you a good pet parent? <laughs> Are you being yeah. a good mom, a good dad? Yeah. Are you, you know, living your best life? It's like, it's come funny. on. <laughs> I remember when we got the dogs, dude, I would watch, I would see these things online about like training and stuff. And they would act like, like if your dog's not perfect, like you're a failure. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. what if I don't want a dog like that? That's not a dog, but like a little robot, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like really yeah. funny. But yeah, that idea of like, if you're not perfect, something's wrong. Right. And like, yeah, I just think it's problematic because these things exist outside of us, but we also have to know who we are. Right. And like this in tendency for people to want to judge others, I think can be really bad.
that can be really mm. detrimental because they're not focused on themselves and their own yeah. behavior. I heard something last week or the week before about how kind of this ideal of being a good everything puts us in a straitjacket where we have no freedom because we're trying to be good at literally everything. And yeah. so if instead you can decide, okay, these are the things that are worthwhile for me to actually be good at. And these are the things that I'm going to say, hey, it's cool for me not to be good at and just yeah. be okay with that and be like, hey, I'll be a bad pet parent. I'll be a bad guitar player. I'll be bad this, bad that, whatever. But hey, they're not that important to me. No, and it's okay, right? Like, you know, as long as I'm okay with it, I'm happy. And I think this is the problem because, like, you're right, it does constrain us. And I think it causes a lot of people to give up on things really quickly, you know, because if you don't feel like you're really good at it, you feel like there's no point, but there could still be a point, right? It still could be worthwhile. Point point and case. I gave up playing guitar because I read some book that's like, it was talking about how, you know, like, why bother doing something if you're not going to put in the effort to be really good at it? And I don't want to put in the effort to be like, I mean, I would have loved to be a shredding guitarist, but I didn't want to put in the effort to do that. And I was like, fine, so I'll quit it. But then I was like, hey, you know, I was pretty good at just being a bad guitarist. Wait a minute, book. <laughs> hey, hey, book. <laughs> you can't Time tell me out. what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's the truth, though, right? There's lots of stuff. Like, I have lots of hobbies that I love doing. But they're not going to amount to I know they're not going to amount to anything. I'm not good enough. One, I'm not good enough. And I don't want to put the time in to be an expert in it or to to improve to the point where I could make. And I don't even want to make money off of it because there's things I just enjoy doing. You know, I think and I think we lose that if we're always focused on, you know, being the best or it's not worth it. We lose that. And I think that is tied to our views of morality and our expectations. Mm hmm. I think it's also sad, too, because we've seen this a lot. You know, we don't let. Sometimes our interpretation of morality too, and our, our, our sense of judging others makes us also like blind to the fact that people can change, make mistakes and like be different over the years. You know, I think we, we've gotten to a point now where we don't give people a lot of chances because of that tendency to like, you know, because it's like that virtue signaling and like judging others to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also the whole like good and bad. Yeah, I do this a lot. I make myself wrong. Like something doesn't go the way that I want it to. And I'm yeah. on my own case about it. This is something I've been working on with self-compassion. It's hard. It's like right? being gentle with myself because, yeah, I'm my own worst critic. And I hear a lot of other people are, too. But like something won't go the way. And then but I was reading something where it was talking about, you know, this is oh, th- it was the it was the Massimo book. He was talking about like, this is the price that I have to pay for peace of mind. So like, it actually happened today where I was beating myself up that a situation went the way that it did. And it was an interaction between people. And of course, you know, you have no No control. control. Yeah. Zero. It didn't, it didn't go the way that I wanted. And I was beating myself up for it. And then all of a sudden that the excerpt from his book came into there, into my mind. And I was like, wait, this is the price that I pay for peace of mind. And all of a sudden I noticed that like, the the uncomfortable feeling is the price that I pay for peace of mind. And I was like, oh, well, if I just have to deal with this uncomfortable feeling. And it was crazy because like this actual peace of mind like settled onto me. I realized, well, that's that, like, oh, this is the peace of mind that for. Yeah. Have it. So it can be helpful. That was like the goal that. of, I mean, you know, the Epictetus was like, you know, that's like a handbook. It's meant to be like you, you go to it as you need to, to different, you know, and I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good use of it. Yeah, it is yeah. funny, though, but you need that. I think. It's a shame because I think, you know, from studying ethics, you know, when you look at it from a philosophical perspective, philosophers generally focus not on judging others, 
and like using morality as a means of judgment, but on our own development growth, right? That's really what it's about. And I think we've gotten to a point where we're, we, we focus too much on the outside rather than the inside. We're too busy looking at other people, judging them and the world around us, rather than asking ourselves, like, what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to make my community better? What can I do? You know, what does that look like? <laughs> and, it's, and it's tricky because they equate like uh, eudaimonia or happiness with flourishing or actual yeah. good life. So if you're living life properly, you should essentially be happy or living a good life, flourishing, that type of thing. And it's tricky because most of the time stuff isn't going well and we're miserable. <laughs> we're like, but I, of course I want to be happy. <laughs> what the hell? I want to be, but it takes so much goddamn work. I think, I think, you know, I think for all speaking of the Stoics, since you mentioned them too, I think they they thought there was a certain peace of mind that comes with that. Right. Because you're aware of what you have control over. You're taking care of your area. And there's a certain peace of mind that because you've done all you can do and let the rest mm -hmm. be, you know, yeah. that's a good way to look at it. See, then yeah. I also heard that like the whole Buddhist notion of suffering, how like life is suffering and there's an end to suffering. Well, the end to suffering isn't because suffering goes away. Nope. It's just because it stops <laughs> being something you try and exclude from your life. And yeah. I was like, son of a gun. So you're telling what me a I clever can't get rid twist. of the suffering with Buddhism? <laughs> You guys said you were going to fix this, and instead you just said accept it. I know. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Tricky wordplay. It is tricky wordplay. Now, I think, yeah, I think for the Buddhists, you know, but I think it does. It never goes away, but they definitely eliminate. Because you get rid of all the extraneous BS suffering, you know, like the, the mm -hmm. self-induced suffering that we're so commonly causing ourselves, you know? Right. God. Right. Yeah, and the clinging yeah. and aversion that gets to be less... You know what's funny about right and wrong? I will say this, how so many people seem so certain about it. And it cracks me up because like, I don't know, like studying like ethics, you know, you realize that nobody knows what the hell's right and wrong and that everything's mm -hmm. up in the air. Everything's open to debate. And like, But then you see like people be like, this is just an outrage. And it's like, it, why is it? Like, I don't know their perspective, you know, on it. And like, mm -hmm. it's just funny. They just assume that they know they have some, you know, they have some position of like privilege where they know exactly what's right and wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And sometimes I even wonder about that thought, like the thought that so like they think that there's only one answer. I think, how can there only be one answer? But that's a thought, too, like them thinking. One yeah. Answer. So, yeah, going all around. Well, we want so there think, to be one answer because it feels comfortable, right? You don't want yeah, to yeah, like, be easy. You want to be able to say, like, this is right. That's wrong. Not this could be right in these 7000 circumstances. Kind of wrong but in these 800. And, you know? and you know what it is? They're always invested in that thing, too. It's never, yeah. they're never like, you know, it's never like they don't do that. They're not like, a, <laughs> they're not like a Buddhist and they're like, oh no, Jehovah's Witnesses, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you need to do. Don't do what we're doing. This is wrong. Yeah. We just like it. <laughs> that would right. be great. So, right, and, and it's interesting how right and how right there's more than one definition because there's right and wrong and then there's right and left. Yeah, and it's the same spelling. You're right, it is. That's really weird, right? Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. a weird language anyway. Well, yeah. just meant to be confusing. It is. So we never know what's right and wrong, right? <laughs> never know. So there you have it. Hopefully that uh, I don't know clarifies something. You know, made you a bit more confused. <laughs> <laughs> made you a bit more confused because you should be about what's right and wrong. Focus on yourself. Don't worry about it. Anyway. 
So there you have it. Uh, who came up with this right and wrong anyway? Determines it. This is the Existential Stoic Podcast. We'll be back later this week with a uh, quick fix or a full-length episode, I think. One of those two. Check us out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Like, share, subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Until then, next time, though, later, Andy. Later, Danny. <laughs>